Let's synchronize our watches. My time says it's 10 minutes after 7. We'll be together, as I said, up until 9 o'clock. But let me introduce you to our guests in no particular order. We do have Professor Farid Isaac. He's a professor in religion studies at the University of Johannesburg. He'll be joining us shortly. Also, we are joined by Usalugawa Molana Yusuf Bosman, Muslim theologian, as well as the chairman of Vuzenze, the Muslim community of the Eastern Cape. Good evening to you, Molana, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, Mike. Good evening to the listeners. Uh, let's begin with you, Mulana. First and foremost, um, Ramadan, is there a very simple way that non-Muslims can be given a definition of what Ramadan is? Before you get into the explanations, just if you were to talk to somebody or a child and say, this is what Ramadan is, what would you say? Um... Like I said, good evening to everyone. Good evening to Mr. Meyer and the listeners of SAFN. Uh, if I were to explain to a, a toddler or to anybody uh, who doesn't comprehend much and try to let them understand what Ramadan is, uh, Ramadan it is that uh, month upon which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, decided uh, to reveal his holy book, which is the Quran, and it is the ninth month in the Islamic uh, lunar calendar, and uh, on the, we believe that on this month uh, it is when uh, the Quran was revealed, and Allah commands us on this month that we should be fasting, uh, observe the fast, just like how He says, that I have prescribed for you this fasting of Ramadan, just like how I have prescribed the fasting for the nations before you. So. It is uh, one of the tenets of the faith of Islam, as we know that Islam is built upon five tenets. The first one, it is that of testimony of faith, of which we call it shahadat. When somebody uh, accepts Islam, then he has to say that shahadat, uh, which is the testimony of faith. And the second one, it is that of uh, five daily prayer. And then Ramadan comes as the third pillar of Islam, and uh, then after it is the the giving of the zakat, which is alms towards the poor, and as well as that of performing the hajj. So it is one of the basic principles of Islam. And uh, no Muslim can say he is a Muslim if he doesn't believe in Ramadan, because it will mean that the tenets of his faith are not complete. Like I said, that Islam is built on five tenets. So by one omitting Ramadan, it will mean that one is not a Muslim. Okay, That's how strict we are. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So um, the, the, the word Ramadan, what does the word itself mean? Does it mean a month? Does it mean fasting? What does the word Ramadan mean? Okay. We, we, we will define it as being... Uh, the month of fasting, even though fasting in Arabic, it is suyam. Suyam means to fast in, in, in Arabic. So uh, when, when the lunar calendar started, basically, it was when Prophet Muhammad, wasallam, or peace be upon him, migrated from uh, Makkah, which is the land of his birth, to Medina, which became his second home and the place that, where he lies buried now as well. So that journey that he took at that time, we call it hijrah. So the Hijra, it is when the formulation of the Islamic calendar started. So in other words, it is when we can say the true history of Islam began with that journey. Okay. 
All right, let's see if we can get through to Professor Isak. Professor, are you able to talk to us now? Professor Isak, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Ah, go ahead. Thank you very much. Ah, good that you're able to talk. Um, good evening to you, Professor, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Give us a, a definition of, of, of Ramadan, Professor. Um, well, quite simply, uh, Ramadan is a month um, wherein Muslims fast. And to fast means to abstain from eating and drinking and sexual activity from very early in the morning at uh, pre-dawn, before dawn, until the sun sets or until it becomes night. And the month of fasting is called the month of Ramadan, or we fast in the month of Ramadan. And the month of Ramadan existed in the, uh, in the Muslim calendar even before Islam came. So it was a part of the Arab calendar. Um, and so it is the nine month of an Arab calendar that uh, Islam easily integrated into its own uh, into its own religious literature. So that is the month of Ramadan. All right. So the word Ramadan you're suggesting is means the month of fasting. Well, it's like saying, you know, um, when you ask what is the meaning of Ramadan, now linguistically there must be a meaning for it. But it's in the same way that you ask, what is the meaning of Ramadan, what is the meaning of December, or what is the meaning of September or July or something? Yeah. I don't but with December, we do know what, that... What is the meaning to us? With, with December, we know it comes from the word Deca, which means 10th. Okay. <clears throat> but again, that's not really consequential okay. for Christians. Okay. What is consequential is the events that have happened in that month and it is those events that are commemorated okay all right all right Let, let's let's talk about now the, the 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 founding of islam or at least the revelation of the word uh, do do help us uh, professor let's begin with the, with the, the mulana verse mulana you said um, that's when the word was revealed to you the quran was revealed to you was it did it begin there or it was begun and completed in that month um, I, I said when the Islamic calendar started, basically, because prior to Islam, uh, prior to the migration of Prophet Muhammad to Medina, we didn't have a, a, a calendar as Muslim per se. So then when that migration took place, which we call Hijra, just like how we we'll call the calendar, it is the Hijra, Hijra calendar. So then it is when it was compiled and then uh, Ramadan was the ninth month, just like what Professor has said, that prior to Islam, uh, they were fasting in Ramadan. And how did they come about to be fasting in Ramadan, even though they were idol worshippers? Because we believe as Muslims that the house of Allah, which is in Makkah, uh, which was built by Abraham and Ishmael for the worship of Allah, it is through the centuries that pass that people converted it into an idolatry house. So hence, the first, hence Allah, when he speaks in the Quran and says that um, uh, fasting has been made compulsory for you, just like how it was made compulsory for the nations before you. So 
we can say we can easily say that it is referring to that because if Abraham will believe fasted, uh, Ishmael's son fasted, so it shows that Ramadan came from them, and then it 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 it, it passed through the generations, even though the worship of God was not pure as it was in their time, but the 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 kept of fasting was throughout the era of their grandchildren. All right, we're going to take a break and come back. When we come back, I want us to go back now to A.D. 610 to find out exactly what really happened then. It is alleged that this revelation happened in A.D. 610, but we'll find out from the people who know better what exactly that is all about because even the dating for me is somewhat worrisome, but we'll find out more shortly after this. Stand by. Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Welcome back. I want you to join us as soon as you can. If you want to join in, please send your text messages, your voice notes. Paul, call us. Please put a call through the studio. We'd like to hear what you have to say about our conversation tonight. We're talking about Ramadan. Let's let's go to the professor. Professor, we're told that um, these revelation happened in AD 610. Is that accurate? The revelation of what we now know to be the Quran. It happened in AD 610. Is that correct? Um. Is that addressed to me? Yes, I'm, ask, I'm asking you, Professor, yes. <clears throat> well, I mean, scientifically or objectively or historically, we can only say that Muslims believe that the Qur'an was revealed uh, in the month of Ramadan. Um, I don't know, I mean, if one can state this. Now, of course, Muslims believe in it, and they believe that this is the truth for everybody else. But objectively speaking, one can only say that Muslims believe in this. Now, I'm speaking as an academic. If you hear me speaking in the mosque, I may say we believe in it. Yes. Um, so, yes, look, the first revelation of the Quran, which was revealed, Muslims believe, over a period of 23 years, um, when uh, Muhammad was first around the age of 40, the first revelation of the Quran began uh, on a night inside the month of Ramadan that uh, most Muslims believe happened in the last 10 days of Ramadan, in one of the nights of the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Now, the exact date in general is, um, it is agreed that it is not completely known And Muslims are encouraged to go in search of that night by increasing their worship in the last 10 days, particularly the unequal night, like 21, 23rd, and so on. And they're supposed to spend the night in prayer, in additional prayer and supplication, meditation and devotion, so that they may, in, in some sense of the word, to catch the night meaning to uh, to benefit from the spirituality of that particular night. There's some majority opinion on which particular night it is, but everybody agrees that there is no certainty of which night in the last 10 days of Ramadan the Qur'an was revealed, or the beginning of Qur'anic revelation started. Yeah. Well, there is there is a, a, a suggestion by Riyadh in what he 
titled in his book, When the Moon Split, a biography of the Prophet Muhammad. This is page 32 that I'm told it is said um, he was born, the Prophet Muhammad now, uh, was born. And, and this is something that is bothersome for me, and I need you to explain to me like you explain to a child. In the solar calendar then, he was 40, 39 years, and in the lunar calendar, he was 40 years. I don't know how how he, he calculated that if there is no known date, especially at the time. If we're told that the Prophet Muhammad received revelation, then those dates, if those dates are not known, where 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 do people know? Where did this writer know about this these exact dates? Look, um, I don't know of the uh, academic or scholarly standard of the writer that you are referring to. Yes. But the one is the date on which the Prophet uh, Muhammad was born. And about that date, there is no difference among certainly the Muslim scholars on which date that was. Okay. That was not in the month of Ramadan. Yes. So I, I don't know if we're talking about the same issue, the date of the Prophet Muhammad, um, because there is agreement amongst Muslims that that happened in a lunar month. Now, bear in mind that the lunar month is the standard month in the Arabian culture. Yes. And by the lunar month, we mean, you know, the month, um, the month is determined by when the news uh, moon is sighted. Yes. Um, that's it. Um, and that generally has a cycle of 29 to 30 days. And in the Gregorian calendar that most people in the Western world follow, yes. um, it, is, it depends just on, you know, whether the month has 30 days or 31 days, yeah. with the exception, of course, of uh, February. Okay. All right. I want us, I want us to go to, 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 to the Mulana there. Mulana, we're told that this happened in Hira. Is that true? The revelation, it happened in here in that cave called Hira. Is that true? Is that accurate? Yes, that is accurate. Because Prophet uh, Muhammad, since his uh, nation or his people that he was born among, they were engrossed in idol worship. So he used to isolate them himself and go and pray in this cave, searching for his creator. It is in this very cave that the angel Gabriel came to him. And when he was first encountered with Gabriel, he was in a state of shock because he has, uh, the, the, the way he came to him and he was bringing this revelation, which is the Quran, and the revelation was too heavy upon him to handle. Because even when uh, Gabriel came to him, he told Prophet Muhammad uh, to read. And as we all know, that Prophet Muhammad was an illiterate man. He said, Analas to Bikari, I cannot read. You see? So Gabriel held him around his shoulder and he squeezed him and he said, Read in the name of your Lord who has created you. Who is your Lord? The very same Lord that you are coming to hear to search for. So after these, these verses were revealed, Prophet Muhammad went into a state of shock, into a state of fever. He went back home, rushing to his wife. When he got back home, he was shivering. He, his wife asked him as to what has happened, you know. And the first thing he could say to his wife was, Zamiluni, Zamiluni, uh, cover me, cover me, because 
you know, when one is in a state of shock, is in a state of cold. And uh, so he was experiencing this due to the severeness of the verses that were revealed to him. All right. Was he alone? Was he with somebody? Where? In Hira? Yes. No, he was all by himself. All right. And he simply recounted this at the writing because, again, this is a person who didn't know how to read or write. So he simply recited recited later on, right? Basically, what he was being told to to read, he memorized it because he couldn't read. He he couldn't read prior to this, and he was reading at the instruction of of Gabriel. So basically, you know, then he would read after him. So he will imitate him just like how you teach a child. He was in that state of like a child because he was being taught something that he didn't know. Yeah. So, so what I'm trying to establish now is uh, he was in a state of fever and he was not well. Can we not perhaps assume that maybe he may not have seen Jabril there? It was just the fever taking its toll on him. Okay, in argument to what you are saying, uh, Mr. Pondwana, and uh, then where would the, the revelation be coming from? Where would what he didn't know prior to this would be coming from if he comes to his wife and tell her this is what has transpired, if we can easily claim that it was just fever that gave him shock? All right, Prof, you wanted to jump in, go ahead. Yes, I mean, look, there has been a number of different kinds of theories about uh, what was, I mean, our Muslims call it the prophetic experience or the the revelatory experience. But other people have made different uh, different theories, including the theory of hallucination or um, some kind of psychosis and so on. Yes. Um, But generally, those theories have not emerged in scholarly literature. Those theories have emerged in polemical literature where the premise is already, yay, um, this guy, we don't believe in what this guy said. And so then the theories were evolved afterwards that he was hallucinating. And one of the reasons behind this theory is because the polemicists meaning the people who've been kind of uh, engaging in polemics and against Islam, partly they don't want to insult the Muslims by saying that uh, this is a lot of bull. So what they do is they resort to a seemingly plausible theory that, um, oh, he was terrified, oh, he was hallucinating, you know, he was in such a bad state, how could he possibly remember? Now, the truth is, like in many oral societies, non-literate societies, the memories of people are just much better. So that was an oral society. Um, And uh, the prophet himself was a part of that society. Yes. And in oral society, it's like, you know, a blind person. The smell senses, the hearing senses of that blind are person, heightened. it is much more enhanced. Yeah. So this was the nature of the society. So there was no, it was no big deal, you know, yeah. to memorize. Yeah. Okay. And then we're talking about it now, this uh, uh, event 
happening in a cave, a rather insignificant cave, and dare I mention outside of Mecca, not inside. Why is Mecca being elevated and why is Mecca the site, not necessarily the cave where the Quran was was revealed? Okay, look, I'm sitting in the city of Cape Town yes. now. Okay, I'm in the middle of the city in Seapoint. Okay. Um, if I go from Seapoint and I go to uh, Woodstock, which is just two kilometers from here. Okay. Now, you don't tell me, you know, you're not in the city center. Okay. Why are you saying you are in Cape Town? Yes. Well, I'm not in Cape Town, I'm in Seapoint. Yeah. That's irrelevant. Okay. So the cave of Hira is, is inside Mecca. Now, how large was Mecca at that time? Well, the city center of Mecca may have been small, but the, the area is Makkah. The one is what is Muslims call the haram, the, the sanctuary. Yes. And the sanctuary is just kind of, you know, less than, um, less than a half a kilometer big. Yeah. But Makkah, the city that Muslims believe is a sacred city, Makkah is bigger than just the sanctuary. So there is no dispute about uh, why is Mecca seen as the revelatory point in connection to the other uh, <clears throat> little construction that there is, the yeah. Kaaba, um, the black, uh, uh, the black square little building that Muslims circumambulate around when they go on pilgrimage. So no, the, this is not, I mean, a consequential question. Yeah, it's like nitpicking with me about uh, why do I say I'm in Cape Town when I'm actually in Seapoint. I was actually referring to the the site, the holy site. That cube is not anywhere close to the cave. And what what makes the cube more significant than the cave? Look, <clears throat> the cube was the Kaaba, the cube. Muslims believe it was uh, rebuilt by the Prophet Abraham and by the Prophet Ishmael. Um, and in fact, uh, the Muslim account of that space is that it was sacred. Even before that, it was sacred since the time Adam was created. So Makkah, the, the, the city for Muslims, it becomes um, a focus, firstly, of the, 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 the annual pilgrimage. Um, it is an enactment of the, the, when Abraham sounded the call after the building, the construction of the Kaaba. Yeah. Abraham uh, sounded the call to people and God promised him in the Quran that people will come on uh, camel, on horse, they'll come on other means and they'll come from all parts of the world. So Makkah, the Kaaba, this, it is the center of Muslim spiritual life. Now, um, this doesn't mean, you know, that the, the cave of Hira for Muslims is really just a site of spiritual Tourism. There is nothing particularly sacred about the space. It is um, an historical accident. This is where the Prophet had retreated to every year, um, often different at different periods of his life. But uh, in this particular case, it was in the month of Ramadan. So the cave of Hira is far more of a tourist site yes. for Muslims. And of course, I mean, you know, when you get there, you're just in awe because, gosh, this is where the person whom we followed, this is where he first experienced this revelation. 
However, it was the beginning of revelation. Okay. An ongoing revelation occurred while he was in Mecca, in different parts of the city, while he was journeying from Mecca to Medina and inside Medina itself. Okay. So right. revelation was an ongoing process. The starting point of revelation is not of serious consequence to Muslims. All right. All right. Mulana, you want to jump in? Go ahead. Yes. Uh, I, I think he has put it beautifully. And uh, I, actually, I was about to highlight some of the points that he has touched. Um, our center of worship, like he said, it is, it is Mecca. And uh, the Hirag, as he says, it was a coincidental place because it was the place of his refuge whenever he needed to speak to Allah. So hence, he was... He revealed it, basically he got a revelation within that point. But the main point, it is the one upon which it was built by Abraham and his son Ishmael. That is our focal point. Okay. Let's, let's talk about now why, where, where we are told Ramadan is to be commemorated annually. Is there an instruction um, for perhaps that would focus on, that would teach us when... Uh, we're told observe Ramadan. This is how you're going to observe Ramadan. Do we do we have any scripture that would guide us as to whether we should celebrate or commemorate, and then how? Go ahead, Mulana. Yes, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the Creator, uh, He tells us, "Shahru Ramadan al-Ladhi unzilafihi al-Quran," that this month of Ramadan it is the month upon which I have revealed the Qur'an, which is the book that we use as a scripture. And uh, he further says that, فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْهُمُ الشَّهْرُ Whomsoever from among you witnesses the month, that means after sighting the moon, you see, فَلْيَسُمْ That person must fast. وَإِنْ كَانَ But if this person falls ill, or Allah suffering, or maybe he has a journey to take, but today's journey, it is very easy. We're traveling in comfortable cars and uh, with aircon, even if it is boiling hot outside. So hence, Muslims, even if they are traveling, they will still keep the fast because it's unlike in the era of Prophet Muhammad where people will, will uh, ride the camel in the burning heat. So there they couldn't uh, manage. But that doesn't change the nature of the scripture. You can still not be fasting and you will not be penalized even though you are within the comfort zone. But it is best for you so that you don't get to keep the fast then after. So he said, even if you are, if, if you are sick, then you must abstain until you basically your sickness is short. But the days that you missed will have to be compensated even after Ramadan. That is, if you gain a full strength of health. But if your sickness is a continuation, then Prophet Muhammad has told us that we must give a uh, uh, fidya. That means we must feed the poor people. Uh, and uh, it goes into detail as how that should be observed. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's how far it goes. And uh, I can elaborate more, but uh, I don't want to exhaust time. Yeah, uh, let's, because that's what we're talking about, Mulana. I need you to just read to us these verses. Uh, is it there in the Quran? Is there a sunnah that can give us all of the texts, perhaps, that would help us understand where the instruction comes from to observe Ramadan and how to do it. Do you have, can you point us perhaps to uh, a, a surah there? Okay. 
Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this, uh, I think, from Surah Baqarah and Surah, Surah Baqarah and, uh, and Imran. Because, yeah, from Surah Baqarah, he speaks about the Ramadan, but I don't know the exact verse in, in Baqarah. As you know, that Surah Baqarah it is, a, is a very big surah. So even uh, when we start uh, the, the recitation of the Quran in, in Tarawih prayer, which is the optional prayers in the evening in Ramadan, then you'll find that within the very first night we start to recite, then we come across these verses, because they are within the beginning of the Quran. Okay, so uh, you are unable to point us to which I do understand, uh, and, and let's just point it out to everyone who's listening. Over what about 280, 284? I can't remember. Those are the number of verses in that surah. So I want you to understand why why the 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 the, the, the Mulana is saying it's a very long one. Two hundred. I'm not quite sure how many. I think over two hundred and eighty verses there. So if anyone knows which of the verses there, please share it with us. We'd like to know where in the 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 Quran we are told about the month of Ramadan. Uh, Prof, are you able to share with us? Where we can find the Quran? Yeah, you know, um, uh, with all respect, uh, your question is framed in a typically biblicist way, a more kind of Protestant way of reading a scripture, where your one's expertise depends on in, in your kind of horizon on which chapter you can cite and give us the name of the chapter and give us which number verse in the chapter. This is not how Quranic scholarship or Muslim scholarship operates. Uh, <clears throat> Muslim scholarship, as the Moran I had demonstrated, you, you can cite verses. And when we cite Quranic text, the first part of the text that comes to us is the Arabic not the English text, and neither the number of the text. But we know the text immediately in Arabic, and, and sometimes it's kind of awkward for non-Muslim listeners because what, why the heck is this guy throwing all this Arabic at me? Because in religious scholarship, we memorize the text in Arabic. But we're not into telling you the name of this chapter, the, which number verse it is. And so your premise, I'm afraid, you know, comes from scholarship being rooted in a very biblicist part of the Christian tradition, where you say, you know, Deuteronomy, da, 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 or Numbers, or Exegesis, and the more you're able to say which number of the verse it is, da, 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 the more you come across as an expert in the Bible. Islamic studies and Quranic studies, I'm afraid, doesn't work like this. The Quran is clear about fasting in the month of Ramadan being an obligation. The Quran is clear from when? <clears throat> from early in the morning, before the sun, before any daylight is visible, until the night. <clears throat> the Quran is clear about abstaining from food and drink and sexual interaction during that time. And then it speaks about, <clears throat> um, about leave, about... Um, some kind of uh, a, a, a lighter compensation for those who are sick or who are undergoing an arduous journey. So the Quran mentions all of these, and a simple concordance of the Quran or a dictionary of the Quran 
to look at the word fasting, um, it will list all the verses. But Quranic scholarship as a whole, or people who are schooled in the Quran, we will throw all the verses at you without being able to tell you uh, which uh, chapters and which number this verse is uh, in the Quran. All right, just a, as a point of clarity there, we, we, we are here on a journalistic expedition, and by that we mean we're trying to get as much information to share with the people without me sucking my thumb. And for me to be able to do that, I need to be able to point the people to where the information comes from. Just for me to say, yeah, it's there, doesn't really help my quest. And so my quest is purely for journalistic purposes to give people a reference to say, that's what they said and that's where they got it from. Even before I was asking about the Quran, I quoted what was said by another person who wrote something else. Whether that person is a Christian or a Muslim really doesn't help me much. What helps me much is that is where people can find what we're talking about not just out saying things out for the purpose of us knowing it, but for the people who are listening, they need to be able to go and read for themselves. And that's the purpose of me asking this question of do apologize if that offends you as Muslims, but we do no, need to no, get no, that understanding. No, it doesn't offend me at all. No, 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 not at all. I was only trying to point out that the premise underneath your question is a different one. I didn't say it was an objectionable one. I was saying that it was a different one from the one that uh, is approached by Quranic scholars or scholars of Islam. And I was pointing out with all due respect, of course, you know, you are a journalist. But like all journalists, you also come to your questions with a particular hermeneutic. And the, and the Christian, the Protestant, the Biblicist, uh, hermeneutic or approach to the understanding of the text is largely a question of citing uh, the name of a, uh, of a Bible, a biblical uh, chapter or a book, and then the verse. And I was only uh, arguing that the Islamic approach to the text is a bit of a different one. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I understand, Professor. But what I'm pointing out is the hermeneutic is not necessarily a religious one, but one that has been employed in any other avenue, including the legal avenue, where you quote chapter and verse of whatever it is you're pointing out in the act or constitution, wherever piece of literature you'd be quoting. And when we listen, we present those matters before a judge. The judge doesn't say that's a Christian perspective, a Christian hermeneutic. What I'm trying to present now is as accurate information as possible to whoever is listening right now. When I present the program for the two hours, I have an obligation to say, when you say what you're saying as my guest, where did you get that from? Okay. Uh, I would say to you, Mr. Lpondwana, to, to, to meet you halfway. Uh, I, have, I have provided to you Surah Bakara, uh, and I think uh, if anyone wants to take uh, the Quran and look at Surah Bakara, um, they will never finish that particular chapter without coming across the verses that I have rehearsed to you and explained to you. So... With that being said, uh, uh, what Professor is saying also is that um, we, we, we are not uh, basically memorizing the numbers of the verses, 
but we memorize the verses themselves because our own understanding is within the verses but not in the numbering of the verses. All right, let's let's again open the lines. If you'd like to join the conversation, please do so. Call us if you want to participate in the conversation. Send your texts on our WhatsApp line or send your voice notes. We'd like to hear what you have to say. Got some questions there coming through from some of the people who have sent some texts on the voice on the WhatsApp line. And the WhatsApp line, for those of you who'd like to send a WhatsApp, is 614 uh, one text message on the WhatsApp line says, Good evening, Naya. Please ask your guests what's the difference between Sunni, Shiite, Kude, Alawit, and Islam, Ilunga in Cape Town. I'm, I'm reading this as, as written. I'm hoping that's your name, Ilunga in Cape Town. Go ahead, uh, Mulana. Okay. Um, with all due respect to, to Ilunga, uh, I think it's not the topic for the day. We are basically now focusing on Ramadan. The show is about Ramadan. Inshallah, when we come to a show where we need to know about the, the Shia and the Sunni, it's a different program on its own. So it shouldn't be the program that will uh, make us divert from what we are basically trying to explain to the people. All right, Bran from Strand writes, Evening, sir, I hope your, your voice are going to be all right. Yes, I will, thank you. You continue to write, My question for the guests is, in the month of Ramadan and fasting, is it a sin to, to desire the stuff you're supposed to fast from? For instance, I continuously think about eating and obsessing about, and when the sun goes down, I overindulge. Thanks. Go ahead, well, Professor. Well, I think that overindulging is always a problem. Okay, overindulging at all times is a problem. It's particularly a problem uh, in the month of Ramadan um, because uh, Ramadan, it's not just a question of abstinence during the day, but it is also about self-control and increased worship day and night. So that's the first thing. However, it's not a sin to yearn for anything. Um, I mean, I am diabetic. I yearn for sweet things all the time. That doesn't damage my health. What damages my health is when I eat things that I should not be eating. But we are human beings. When you're hungry, you yearn. And, and that is precisely where the purpose of fasting is. How do you control your yearning? Um, how do you control your responses to the situation outside you? The fact that you've got food in the fridge or the fact that you're walking in the road, you've got access to ice cream, da, 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 and you don't. So you may yearn. This is human. <clears throat> However, part of the spiritual part of the human being is to control the lower self. And the lower self yearns for everything and the right thing and the wrong thing and sometimes the right thing at the wrong time as in the month of uh, Ramadan. So yearning is okay. How do we control and give effect to that yearning? This is what is at the heart of Ramadan. 
All right. Another text message. I can almost imagine what uh, the Molana is going to say to this one. We'll read it anyway from Stephen or Stefan in Guagua. Writes, Quran contradicts itself throughout. For example, in Surah 19, 67, it says that man was created out of nothing in the 15. In Surah 15, 26, man is created from clay. Since clay is nothing, we have is something we have a contradiction since nothing excludes the possibility of clay both cannot be true if allah is the same god almighty who is perfect and muhammad was his messenger indeed the quran would be perfect also that's stefan or in guagua stefan or steven in guagua <laughs> i'm sure i know what Mulana is going to say would you like to respond to this Mulan? <laughs> uh i will respond briefly but i also think that also that question is out of context indeed. <laughs> I'm not escaping this question. If you can create a program yes. for these particular questions, yes. it's a different program. I got it. Currently, we want to inform listeners about Ramadan. Got it, got it. So got now, talking about creation of men from nothing and from sand, yes. it has nothing to do with got the topic. Got it, got it. I thought as much. Thank you very much, Malone. Just stand by. We're going to take a break and come back. We're going to come back. We'll play some voice stars for all of you who've sent some voice stars. Listen it. Facts of Faith on SAFM. Good evening, good evening, Mr. Nice, Fred, the truck driver. Oh, Mr. Nice, I love it when it's Ramadan. Myself, I'm a Christian, and my brother is a Muslim. And when it's time for him to go to Mecca, we contribute towards his travels. And when it's time for fasting, is you know when he's fasting we can see the, the the blessings overflowing to us and when it's time to break the fasting you we enjoy the feast with him and his uh, colleagues the muslim colleagues of his so it's beautiful it's beautiful i love it i love i love ramadan even though i'm a christian thank you mr nai friend the truck driver all right, thank you very much, Mr. Truck Driver. Really appreciate that. Um, would you like to respond to his comment there, Molana, or, uh, or the professor? Well, I mean, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting comment. He's kind of clearly very excited about Ramadan. One of the interesting things in the last number of years, particularly uh, in uh, in the Western Cape, and more particularly in the poorer townships is how the Muslim community have this open breaking of fasts on the streets. Um, two, three nights uh, inside the month of Ramadan and in various parts. And of course, uh, so on the streets, it's part of taking the streets back from uh, the gangsters and making the streets straighter, the streets safer. But it's also a part of uh, in the support, supporting the community, feeding the community, and so on. So there are some really fantastic uh, aspects to the month of Ramadan. And more particularly and fascinating also is that many of our Christian uh, neighbors and friends, they often, as an exercise either in community or in an exercise of spirituality, they join us in the fasting of the month of Ramadan. Now, of course, the, our uh, caller in spoke about how much he enjoys the, um, the charitable spirit of this uh, Muslim family member of his. And this is consonant with uh, Muslim practice and Muslim encouragement. 
of course, where the Muslims practice the spirit of charity throughout the year or not, that is a bit of a different story, okay? And in this, we have all the gifts and the shortcomings of any other religious community in South Africa. Okay. All right. I want to read um, um, from uh, Surah Al-Baqarah, and I'm reading from verse 184 and 185. And I'm going to ask you, Mulana, if um, you can corroborate this, this is the right uh, uh, reading that you wanted us to talk about. And the translation that I'm reading from, it's an English translation. It's called The Clear Quran by Dr. Mustafa Khattab. It reads, fast and prison room from verse 4. 184 and 185. Fast the prescribed number of days, but whoever of you is ill or on a journey, then let them fast an equal number of days after Ramadan. For those who can only fast with extreme difficulty, compensation can be made by feeding a needy person for every day not fasted. But whoever volunteers to give more, it is better for them and to fast it is better for you, if only you knew. Verse 185. Ramadan is the month in which the Quran was revealed as a guide for humanity with clear proofs of guidance and the standard of distinguishing between right and wrong. So whoever is present this month, let them fast. But whoever is ill or on a journey, then let them fast an equal number of days after Ramadan. Um, Allah intends ease for you, not hardship, so that you may complete the prescribed period and proclaim the greatness of Allah for guiding you. And perhaps you will be grateful. Full stop, close quote. Was that the one you wanted us to read, Mulana? That's the, that's the verses I was reading to you. I right. didn't read them complete, but you, you read the complete translation of it. All right, thank you very much. So I want us to talk about that because when I read that, I found it rather interesting that Ramadan is not the only time you can fast. And I like the fact that you pointed out that if you're not well or you're in a journey, you can shift that one. So is it correct to say that I can have my Ramadan maybe in December? Uh, no, because Ramadan is a month, yes, and it is the ninth month. Yes. So if you're going to have your Ramadan in December, you are not within the parameters of Ramadan. What if I'm not the well? Reason, the reason why you are allowed to fast yes, because due to your illness or your, your traveling yes. or any other uh, calamity in your life that you couldn't fast for. That's what I was referring it, to, Mulana. If, if, yes. if, if I was traveling or I was not well, then my Ramadan can happen in, in December. That will not be as good as Ramadan, okay. even though the compensation will be accepted. Yeah. All right. All right. Because no, but, it, it sorry, is only but for that the specific that is, period. All right. Sorry, all right. but that, that is not your Ramadan that you are completing. Okay. If you fast any time after the month of Ramadan um, and you are filling in for the days that you miss yes. because of traveling or because you were ill, yes. you are just completing your fast that you owed from the last Ramadan. Yeah. You don't describe that period as Ramadan. Ramadan okay. is a specific month. Yeah. You're completing your fasting if you're fasting. Yes. Say in, but you wouldn't time yourself, I'm going to fast the month of December. Yeah. No, you're going to start fasting when your illness has gone. Yes. Or when you have returned from a journey. Okay. 
All right, got it. All right, we'll leave it right there on that note to both of my guests. I really appreciate it. Professor Farid Isak, Professor of Religion Studies at the University of Johannesburg. Thank you. We'll also thank Mulana Yusuf Bosman, Muslim theologian as well as a Christian uh, chairman, big partner, chairman of Fuguzenzele, Muslim community of the Eastern Cape. Mulana, thank you. And that's how we conclude our conversation. Please be aware that this is us just scratching the surface as far as the conversation is concerned. We'll continue these conversations and we will delve into much more detail about these things and more. You've heard what the Molana was saying and we'll perhaps invite him back again to talk about other things. It's eight o'clock at Seven News and we'll come back and talk to you more about faith of our leaders. You're still listening to Facts of Faith.